I hope you were listening last week when I interviewed Earthquake Kelly. I mean, this man should have been dead multiple times. He comes from generations of voodoo priests. He, he was groomed to be a voodoo priest uh, under uh, the president of Haiti. Uh, he was involved in crime. He was involved in drugs. Uh, he was involved in prostitution. Uh, at a young age, he was carrying a gun. He tapped into the spirit world, and they had him all set up to kill as many young people as possible. But he had an encounter with Jesus, and he said, Jesus, if you can use me, I'll make a deal with you. Use me more for your kingdom than the devil used me for his kingdom. And he is doing that with a with a vengeance. And uh, the devil was pretty upset with him. Tell me about the day before the accident, uh, your son, Scott, uh, you were horsing around in the kitchen. Tell me about that. Yes. Me being a, a professional fighter and uh, had three sons, and they always try to take shots at me, see if they can, if they can hit me. And uh, they had a hard time. <laughs> see if they had a hard time hitting me, and I would tap them a little bit. Uh, I, I, well, we're doing this by phone, but I've seen you, and I wouldn't want to be uh, uh, fighting you at all, Earthquake. and <laughs> know why you got your name, but go ahead. My wife told me, she always told me to take it easy on our sons, you know, because a couple of times there I, I, I would box with them and stuff like that, and I think I might have tapped them a little bit too hard. <laughs> so she said, oh, you, you're hitting them too hard, baby. You're hitting them too hard. Well, I said, just trying to just trying to make them tough, baby, a little bit, you know. But this particular time, we were we were boxing around, my oldest son Scott and I, and uh, having a good time at it. And uh, he said, "I'm gonna get you, pops. I'm gonna get you." I said, "No." He said, "You still smooth." He said, "You still smooth." I said, "Oh yeah, yeah." But he stopped. He stopped laughing and playing. Then he grabbed me, and he and he grabbed me real tight, and he started squeezing me. I said, "What's the matter? What's the matter?" He said, Dad, I want you to make me a promise. I said, what's the matter? Something happened at work or something? Boss, say something to you or something? He said, no. He said, I want you to promise me that you would never stop preaching deliverance, never stop helping people. You and Mom have helped people for years, and you help people get on their feet, and you take people in. He said, Dad, I love you, you and Mom, for what you're doing. He said, but promise me that you won't stop. Now, this is difficult for me, Sid, to tell this, so uh, bear with me, you know, but... I understand. Uh, he held me, and uh, he said, Dad, don't you stop helping people. Don't you stop preaching deliverance. He said, Dad, you're having an effect on people. You're making lives better. He said, don't let nothing stop you. And he was squeezy. He said, you promised me I'm not going to turn you loose until you do. Now, he was pretty big size too, and he had a big grip on me. And I said, "Okay, son, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I promise you, nothing's going to stop me." Then he let me go, and he he ran out the room crying. And for him to cry, something really has to bother him, you know. And to cry like that. And uh, while I was trying to catch my breath, I was so emotionally drained myself from him squeezing me so tight. Uh, I tried to go behind him, but he went out the door. My wife says, what's the matter? What's wrong? What's, what's, what's wrong with him? I said, I don't know. I don't know. He, he's, he's, and I said, I actually was something wrong at work. And 
he told me, no, he's told me don't never stop preaching. And I told him I wouldn't. Well, the next day I was called to go down, which was uh, the 7th of December, 1998. I was called to go into Vegas to preach down there. And uh, while there, I got the worst call see that anybody would ever want. My wife called me. She was just hysterical, and she told me that some of the people, people that we usually help down the street, carjacked him and shot him in the chest at point blank and, and killed him. And it's the hardest thing, man, to 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 go through that. And it, it's it's as almost he had a premonition something was going to happen. I, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I yeah, excuse me, but I, I, yeah, that's exactly right, Jed. Exactly right. He as if him loving Jesus and that the Lord spoke to him. I really believe that God spoke to him to speak to me. You know, and 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 it still it still hurts me. You know, I still hurt over it. I'm I'm not mad at God, or I don't curse God or anything. But it's it's still every day I think about him. I I walk by, I see his picture. I I, I think in it, but it's a happy and and sad situation at the same time because I know he's with Jesus. Okay, so um, time goes by, and you develop a headache. Your wife insists you go to the hospital, but it turns out to be a brain aneurysm. Tell me what you remember. I remember when I got to the hospital, they put me in the examination room. They started working on me, and uh, I died. And I was, instead of going up, I was going down. And God reminded me that because of some rebellion I had in my life that uh, he wanted me to see what it's like again to to disobey and, re- and rebel against him. And I saw hell for the second time. First time as a drug addict, this time I'm looking at it from a part of rebellious Christian. And God pulled me out of there and he told me, I'm sending you with this message to tell the body of Christ that rebellion is as the son of witchcraft. And if anybody knows witchcraft, I do. But <laughs> so God allowed me to, to have that experience. But I still wasn't out of the danger with the brain injuries. And they put me in intensive care right by the nursing station. They put me on 15-minute bed watch every 15 minutes around the clock. They would come in and check my blood pressure. Now, I'm not a doctor or anything like that, but I do know this after being in the hospital, that your blood pressure should not be 200 over 200. And my blood pressure went up that high. And they said I was going to die again. And one day I slipped away. I did die. And I, this time I found myself in the most beautiful place. Oh, it was so awesome. I found myself in paradise, standing next to an angel. And I'm 6'5", and that angel was at least a foot taller than me. It was so beautiful. I saw the blades of grass. Each blade of grass had a, a jewel or a diamond or emblem in it. And it was swaying back and forth. I heard a choir singing. The choir is better than any choir I've ever heard, and I've heard some great choirs. I saw the, the Crystal River. It looked like liquid diamonds it, as it moved. It looked like it was shimmering and dancing to the music that was coming from the choir and the praises of the Lord. I saw these giant trees. It looked like big, giant, weeping willow trees that get swayed like they were praising God. Hallelujah. Oh, man, I still remember it. It's awesome. And oh God, forgive me. I, uh, oh. Listen, I feel such the such a presence of God as you're sharing this. 
it, it's almost like the angels that have been in my office for the last few weeks uh, are bringing that same presence in in the studio. Uh, is heaven what you expected or more? It's more. As a, a Christian, and, and I know this sounds a little funny, but a little corny, but in the back of some old Bibles, they try their best to draw heaven. You know what I mean? They, and, and you can right. get those pictures, and you get so excited about it, but the artist didn't even, his paintbrush couldn't even touch what I saw. Glory to God. They did the best they could, but I'm telling you, unless you have been there and actually seen it for yourself, the awesome radiance, the power, the presence, the presence of God. You think it's strong in the church service when we really go forth and praising God all with one accord? You ought to feel it there. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Mm. It is so awesome, it goes beyond words how to explain the presence of God there. It's, it's like it's fresh, uncut, just straight right off the assembly room floor, so to speak. Right there, you're right with it, and it's with you, and you face to face with the blessings of God, with the angels. Oh, my. Oh, my God. Did you see any people there? Yes, I did. There was an angel there. And he said, walk around. And as I started to walk around, I saw that river, and I was there next to the river, and I looked on the other side, and I saw some of the saints of God that I went to their home-going services, their memorials, and they were there. And I was so happy to see them. One in particular was a former pastor of mine in 2002. He went to be with the Lord, and I was there at his home-going service, and I saw him on the other side, and I saw some of the other saints of God that I knew that it went on, and I saw my son over there, and he saw me. You're talking about the son that was shot point blank and went during the carjacking? Yes, I saw him. I can imagine what went on inside of you when you realized it was your son. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You know why I was so happy, Sid? Because I did for my children what my mother did for me. I taught them the word. I told them the mother's was real stressful, of course, but ours upbringing to the word paid off because here my son was, had not been shot and killed and went to hell like so many people have, but here my son was with the Lord. Oh, that blessed me. So I guess I wanted to get over on the side of the river and hug him and squeeze him and have him show me around the, the section of on the other side of the river, which I could not see all of. But he said, you have to go back, Dad. You have to go back and finish the things that you and I talked about. And I I was like, no, no, I want to stay here with you. He said, no, Dad, you remember you gave me your word. You promised me that you would go back and finish teaching deliverance and ministering and helping the people to get here, Dad. And that's what he told me. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I, I, I tell you, Earthquake, uh, you've lived... 20 lives in that short period of time. I mean, uh, this must be a motion picture someday. Uh, but he, he, he comes from many generations from Haiti uh, of uh, witchcraft and voodoo. Uh, and he was groomed uh, to, to work with uh, the president of Haiti. And, uh, you know, you know the, the sad history of what went on there. Uh, but he had a... Uh, a voodoo father and a Christian mother, and guess who won? His Christian mother 
one. And so he's preaching the gospel today, uh, and he's got a wonderful, loving family. And uh, his son comes in a very strange fashion and just hugs him and won't let, let, let him go. And he says, Dad, promise me uh, that you'll continue doing what you're doing. Uh, and uh, he left, and an earthquake said to his wife, what is going on? And, uh, and they didn't really know, but the next day he's uh, speaking in Las Vegas, and he gets a phone call that no one should ever get. And the phone call said that his son was shot point blank and killed in a carjacking, and his son was dead, and that was it. And then shortly thereafter, he had a uh, headache, and his wife insists he goes into the hospital, uh, and he uh, dies. He dies. And he leaves his body. He goes to heaven, and he sees his son. What was the first thing your son said to you? He said, Dad, this place that you have taught us about is far better than you even described that. He said, thank you for what you taught us. And because of you, I'm here now. And that meant so much to me. He said, oh, man. And as we were discussing on yesterday's broadcast, you just did not want to leave. Uh, but your son said you had to leave. You had work to do. Uh, what else were you told in heaven? I was told, of course, about the, the abortion. And, and you know what's kind of interesting to me? You were almost an aborted baby. Your father tried to kill you, as I remember your description. That's right. That's right. He was he was almost successful, but there was a there was a big old hand of God that stood between those instruments of destruction and my little body in the mother my mother's womb. Well, you saw babies that were aborted, but uh, you told me that you saw babies from Christian homes that were aborted. That's hard to believe. Yes, yes, there. God told me, he said, I have sent many, many children to the homes of, of Christians and so-called Christians, and because they've listened to the ways of the world and did not believe God would provide for them fully, or for whatever reason, they went secretly had an had an abortion. And actually, I was in Nashville some time back, and um, there was a gentleman was up, and he said, you know, I want to tell you something. He said, I'm a pastor of a church, but I want to confess this to you all. I made my wife have an abortion while I was a pastor of a church. And that's exactly what God says he sees. And from time to time, he sees that there's people who should never even have a thought of that. His people who will go and, and secretly do these things. And God hurts. And I've heard God to the point of tears because he has a purpose for them. And the plan, and they've been sent back, not only from the world, but when the church has taken on the ways of the world, it hurts God to his heart. Now, as a, as a born-again Christian, obviously you were against abortion because you realized it was murder. But, you know, I find most Christians would say, yes, I'm against abortion, but they're very passive in their uh, attitude towards it. It, it. Their actions are speaking louder than their words, but how important is this abortion to end to to God? Oh, this is one of the main things that's on the heart of God right now. This, when you talk about other things that's happening, it 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 is no comparison 
in some regards to this abortion issue because you're dealing with you're dealing with the plans and and the destinies of of individuals that God has sent down there each one with a specific job that God has in store for them to do and actually it's it's a type of robbery you're actually robbing God of pleasure when you would send back a, an individual that God has sent here to help on behalf of, of his son to prepare this world spiritually. See, it's a spiritual thing, really, and the enemy wants to stop anything that's going to go towards bettering the kingdom of God. And that's why it means so much to God, and if we as the body of Christ would look at this from God's point of view, and not as the world, not as the, those other guys out there that, 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 that are saying things that we know are not right. But look at it from God's eyes. We would repent. And, and I mean repent not because of remorse, but because we're really repenting from our heart and pray and seek God's face until this massacre of innocent life is totally stopped and destroyed in this country and any other country around this world. You know, Earthquake, uh, sometimes people say to me, are you a Democrat? Are you a Republican? Personally, Republican, Democrat, I don't see a whole lot of difference between either. But the candidate I want to vote for is against the murder in the womb, abortion, and is for the Jewish people being in the land of Israel. Those are the two issues that I look for. It's not the party. It's are you on God's side? Yes, sir. And, and if you are for murder in the womb, and that's what it is, abortion sounds too nice. If you're for murder of the innocents, then you're not on God's side. Right. Now, what else did he tell you in heaven? He told me that there are people who are holding things against him because he did not give them the things they wanted at the time they wanted or as fast as they wanted it. And he said there are people who have unforgiveness against God. There's actual people saying, God, I will never forgive you because you allow this one to die, or you allow my husband to leave me, or my church is too small, won't grow, or I have cancer, or a car accident, or I'm in poverty. There, God is getting the blame of all of these things, and he's talking to his church. He said, tell my church, until they forgive me, even though I've never sinned at any time ever, I will not bless them to go forward in the things that they've been praying for. Their unforgiveness of me, God told me, is is what's holding many people back. Many. Have you seen when you've told people what God's told you in heaven about this uh, need to forgive God because of misjudging, and that's what it is, misjudging because of not having all information, uh, when you've shared that and people have repented, has there been much of a change in their life? Oh, yes. I was preaching in St. Louis, and God told me to say this. Say this right here, what I just told you. He said, tell that to this congregation here in St. Louis. I did say it. the church was about the size of a football field. There was only about five people sitting down. The rest were around the altar repenting for holy things against God. I've gone to a lot of churches. Even some ministers have confessed in tears that they have hold things against God for years because of certain things that have happened to them. And instead of turning against against the enemy, 
they turn against God for saying, God, you allow this thing to happen, that I'll never forgive you. I've heard one particular individual that says, if Jesus was here right now, I would want to smack him in the face for all the things he's allowed to happen to me. And so on and so forth. And see, these are the things that God told me, says, tell my people to repent. Repent of holding things in their hearts against me because I have not moved in the pace that they wanted me to move in or have not given them what they wanted. And yes, there's been changes when people repent and say, God, I truly am sorry from my heart, not because I'm remorse because you caught me, but because I really feel what you feel. And as you say, so didn't get all the information and didn't judge righteous judgment. And yes, there has been a great difference in people who say, God, I'm sorry. I did hold this against you. I didn't feel you did me right in this area. But God, you forgive me for my own forgiveness towards you. And you can see the difference in their continent. Actually look in their face. And once that thing is removed between them and God, you will see an actual difference in their ministry, difference in their business, difference in their, their homes, difference in them, difference in their children, all because they have removed that wall that separated them and God. And you know, the next thing that uh, God showed you in heaven, uh, well, we're out of time today, but we'll pick up right here on tomorrow's broadcast. My guest is Red Hot for the Messiah because he died on an operating table. He went to heaven. He saw his son who was shot point blank in a carjacking. And it just, it, it just was such a trauma for Earthquake Kelly. Uh, but when he saw his son, your son said something to you. What did, what did he tell you? Besides the fact that you couldn't stay there, why did he tell you you couldn't stay in heaven, Earthquake? He told me that I wasn't finished with the work that God has for me to do. He said, you promised me that you would finish that work, that you have to go back and finish. I tried to tell him that. As far as I'm concerned, I am finished. <laughs> he said, no, Dad, you have to go back. You have to go back and complete the job that God has for you to do. And, and so he told you, you actually saw babies that uh, had died in war and that were aborted. Did you see tears in Jesus' eyes when he was talking about these aborted babies? Oh, oh, Sid, it was, it was something as he, he was talking about. It just really hurts me because I felt what he felt, how the, the tears, it was swelling up, and you could just, oh, my, yes, tears, and, and, and how it hurt him, and how he had a plan for each and every one that, that he sent there, and because of the selfishness of man and sin and, and all of these things, and what hurt him even the worst is when he sent these beautiful babies to this planet to do a work for him and because of man's hardness of heart and the church people now switching and and being like the world it hurt him so because he had a plan for each one of them tell me what they look like in heaven oh oh they were well i saw them on the other side of the river i wanted to go over there and play with them they were they were all sizes pretty much and, and running and playing and gosh they were <laughs> it is hard to describe them all but they were they were just like children. It's like you see at a regular schoolyard having having fun and playing. 
And that's what they were doing. And I wanted to go over there and help them because I didn't have the brain aneurysm. I had no limitations, anything physical, wrong with me, physically wrong with me. And I just wanted to go. But they were, and I heard, I heard God say this. He said, they will never, ever be hurt again. No one can hurt them. And he kept saying that. It's like that meant something real special to God. He kept saying, he said, they're with me, and they can never be hurt again. And then he also told you to warn people that had harshly judged God because of misinformation and the need for them to repent. What will happen if they don't repent? If they don't repent, he said, if you don't forgive God who has never sinned at any time, he will not be able to forgive you, and your ministry won't go forward. Your business won't be as successful as you really wanted it to be. Your, your, your church won't grow because you'll have something that will stand between you and God and it'll become a wall that you have built. God didn't build a wall. That people build these walls because they see my God has disappointed them. And God said, until they forgive me, I will not be able to forgive them and bless them to move forward. And then he told you a warning for people that had one foot in the world and one foot in the Lord. What was that warning? He told me that those that are living that lifestyle, and believe that they're going to go to heaven living like that. He said they will not enter into his holy city. He said they will not. He said warn them to repent. Warn them. He, and he said unless they repent, they will not. They will not enter. He said there, there are people who believe that they can do what they want to do, live the kind of life they want to live, and yet be accepted. He said they will not. He said I'm sending you back to warn them to repent of their, their wicked, evil lifestyle. Repent of their cursing him, repent of the words that they're saying, repent of the things that they're doing wrong because they will not enter. And that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm just spreading the word with God. And, and did he tell you that people would die in the pulpit that are involved in sin? Yes, yes, definitely yes. He showed me a vision while I was standing there looking at everything else. He showed me a vision of, of ministers who are only preaching for money and fame and glory, he says, son, I have given them many chances to repent. Many. He said, I've sent them many chances, but they will not repent. And he said, he doesn't want any man to perish or woman to perish. He said, but because they will not repent and they're using this pulpit as a way to glorify themselves, he said he would allow them to die in that very thing that's given them glory, which is a pulpit and not him so far. There has been, since 2004, when I've had this brain aneurysm, there has been at least eight people that I know of that passed away in the pulpit. And I'm not saying that's, that's not a, a bad thing to do if you really live and write and you preach. And if God takes you from that point, he's finished with your life to take you home to glory, yes. But there's some that were really not living the way they're supposed to live. They were living a sexual, unholy life. And doing those things that really brought shame, and God allowed the life, the very life, to drop out of them. And I know of at least eight or nine cases so far since 2004 when I had the brain aneurysm. And God told me, he said he's not finished. He said he's still cleaning, cleaning his house. And he said unless they repent, more will die in the pulpit. More will die of tragic crashes and different things of that nature. He even showed me some will get caught up in the love triangle, and many will be shot and killed dealing with 
a wife or a husband that they shouldn't be with. And he said, warn them to repent because judgment is coming upon them. What are some areas of sin that uh, could stop someone from going to heaven? God showed me one of the main things right now is sexual sins is really running rampant in the church. He said these are one of the main things that's keeping people from coming closer to him is because they're giving more into the gratifications of their body than they are into seeking him, to, to, to seeking him with all their heart. He said that sexual sin and then the financial one, seeking after things as opposed to him, is another thing that's going to keep many people out of the kingdom because there's a lot of teachings now that's going forth that in order to be what you're really supposed to be in, the, in God, that you have to be a billionaire and those kind of things. That was just like Paul, right? Paul was a billionaire. <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, it's this is so the opposite when you read the Bible and think for yourself. Yes, God wants to raise up millionaires to fund his kingdom, but he's not raising up these millionaires to, to just consume the things on their lust. And, he, and everyone's not going to be a millionaire. Uh, it, it just... The, the whole thing has become so perverted. Did he show that to your earthquake? Yes, he showed me that people are believing that, as the Bible said, believing that gain is godliness, and that's not such the case. That was the case a lot of famous people who were in the world who were millionaires would, would be evangelists at this point, and they're not. He showed me that the world is becoming more into the church now and, and vice versa. And he says, I'm sending you back there to bring my people to a place of repentance. And that's where I asked God, who am I? I'm guessing an ex-boxer. I pleaded with him, trying to get him to let me stay and send somebody else. But he, he, he wouldn't give any, so I'm sending you back with a warning. A warning for my people to cry out to me, to seek me with their whole heart. Stop seeking after things and, and running and chasing after things and people who promise them things. And when they don't get it, they turn against me and become bitter against me. Because people promise them different things, and those things don't come to pass. He said, tell them to seek me with their whole heart. And that's what I'm doing. Uh, what do you think will happen to America if we continue to abort as many babies, murder as many babies as we do through the uh, act of abortion? You have a backdoor, a backdoor effect. When you're looking for stuff to come to the front door, it'll sneak up on this country and come in through the back door. And that's what God showed me. He showed me that there are terrorists that are in this country now that's coming into other sources, and we're busy fighting other fights that shouldn't be fought and different things of that nature while these people are coming in. And it actually showed me that they're here and they're ready to attack and ready to strike. And it's only by the grace of God and the, and the few people that is praying in this country that that group that's here to have an attack so far. Uh, how specific did he show you? Did he actually show you uh, their faces? Yes. He showed me the face, a particular case. He said, God showed me this while I was there. I saw the face of, of one lady and three men that came into this country with intentions of doing some very bad things, very bad. And he showed me these cell groups. Now, you know, being a boxer and stuff like that, I don't know cell groups. But I know when God showed me something, and I, and I saw, if I'm telling you, I actually saw that there is a group that's coming into this country 
that means this country no good. And God said, if my people would stop and pray, I will stop what they have planned, the damage that they have planned to do with this country, I will put a stop to it. But they allow these babies to continue to be slaughtered because of their own sin and their own fun. As many, as one particular lady was in an abortion clinic, she had 25 abortions, 25, and she bragged about it. And imagine if she could hear what God thinks about her and having 25 abortions. It would really do something to her if she can hear the, the voice of God crying out to stop this murder and mayhem upon the innocent. You should have heard what Earthquake Kelly told me just before we started this broadcast, because Earthquake died of a brain aneurysm, and he left his body and he went to heaven. Uh, most people I talk to that have been to heaven, no matter what someone says, they want to stay. What about you? Oh, Sid, I wanted to stay. Wanted to stay, that's, that's a understatement, man. I wanted to get in there and hide. I literally wish I could have kept walking to where God would have forgotten, I know it's impossible, would have forgotten I was there and let me say. <laughs> okay, uh, tell me about what you saw with people in hell. Yes, as, I was, as God was telling me to warn, to warn mankind and the body of Christ, he, he was showing me different things that was happening. He showed me this one particular man who was only going to church just to show his wife, that the preacher was no good. And his wife was fighting to keep her children in church, but he was so persistent, and he convinced her not to go back. And God said she represented a lot of women and families. And he showed me this whole entire family burning in hell because of this one man convinced his wife, and the wife convinced the children that it wasn't necessary. And they all turned and went away from God, and they all perished in hell. And he showed me, the, I saw literally the flames of fire on that whole entire family. And, I, and, it, and it upset me so much, I said, oh, my God, I, I, I will go back, Lord. I'll go back. I'll go back and warn them. He said, son, this is serious. He said, tell my people this is serious. This is no plaything. This is serious. Uh, could you see the agony this family was in? Oh, Sid. As I looked in that, as God showed me that lady's face and the pain and the agony, and she was gripping her fingers like the pain was so bad, so severe. She was like, oh, she was, her fingers were so, oh, it was, oh, it was so bad. And the, and the, the, the young members of the family, uh, they were they were miserable and horrible, and the the flames were on them. And I was looking at them. Oh my God, my God, my God! Is this horrible? Yes, I saw the torment in their faces. I saw it, and the misery. It was just pitiful, pitiful, pitiful. God told me, he said, "Son, this is serious. You have to go back and warn them." And and oh my, oh gosh, it's horrible. Mm. Well, was that the last thing he said before you uh, found yourself back in your body? No, no. He showed me, he showed me some other things. He, he showed me that there's pastors right now who are trying to figure out how to get rid of their wife that they have, 
who's not a preacher, not a, she can't sing, she can't preach, she's not a minister, she's not a fireball evangelist. And they're trying to figure out how to get rid of God. said there are men who are trying to figure out how to get rid of their wives to replace them with another person who can preach and sing and do all of those things so they can be this forefront group of fireball evangelists. And God told me to tell them that this is not his plan for a man to put his wife away and replace her with another woman who can preach. He said, I will not bless that. Are you talking about divorce? Yes. Just divorce her because she cannot minister. Get another one who can so they can get out and put on a show. And God said, I will not bless that. He said, tell them, do not divorce their wives because they're not a minister. and They're not evangelists. They're not in the forefront. And he told me to tell them not to do that. And I said, yes, Lord. He showed me many other things that's getting ready to happen to this country if we don't repent. What's going to happen? That this country is going to be invaded by pestilence. There's going to be sicknesses hit. There's going to be people raised up that you've admired for years. And these people are going to turn. And they're going to be so vicious against the, against the church. They're raised, being raised up right now. They're, they're, grooming, they're being groomed by the devil to come against the church. Case in point, there's a church in, in, in Gardena that's having a rough time. They're going through some serious things. And there's people like this who are being raised up in God that these things will happen because my people are coming away from me, chasing after other things. And judgment is coming, starting at the house of God. And it's going to spread out. And there's going to be more sicknesses that's going to hit the churches. And they're going to wipe out many because the people are spending less time with fasting and praying and more time and gaining things. And many people are not studying the Word nor praying. And he said, until they do, these things are going to sneak in, and they're going to hit like forest fires. They're just going to hit one section at a time at a time, and it's going to be miserable in this country. You know, I'm reminded of how the devil operated with you when you had your wonderful encounter with the Lord uh, as a young person, and then all these women came your way. Uh, do you see this happening little by little with men and women of God, these temptations? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. See, here's how it works. When you're looking, when you're looking at the, the back of the rattle on the, on the rattlesnake, while you're looking at that, it's so beautiful and charming and, and all of those things. The head of it is sneaking in on you. And that's what's happening with a lot of, a lot of the same tricks. The devil uses the same tricks. It's a different day. And the same trick he used on me when I was a teenager, guess God saved, he's using on a lot of older people who are spending more time in trying to gain and less time in seeking God. And he'll send people to stroke your ego, to make you think you're all that in a bag of chips, too, and make you feel like you're something that you're really not. And all the time, they're setting you up to pull the chair out from under you, and you're going to fall flat. Yes, this is a big trick of the enemy. This is one of the greatest tricks he uses right now is a temptation to, 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 to lure you away from the gospel and trap you, mess your name up, mess your ministry up, so you won't be effective as a minister. Once your name is gone, it's very hard to minister. Did he show you anything else? Well, he showed me 
that unless the church turns around and starts back to seeking him, that many more will be shut down, that the government will come in and it will make new laws, making it harder for his people to pray in the open, which is starting to happen already. I'm starting to see that, what God told me. And then there's other things that he showed me that we must repent. He said, tell my people to repent and tell them to take me serious. Did he indicate uh, whether he's coming back soon? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. He said, he said that Jesus is definitely coming soon, sooner than many people think. They're acting like he's never going to come. He said, but tell them, son, that it is going to happen. There is going to be a, 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 a very great, terrible day that's going to hit this planet. And to prepare yourself, stay before me, stay focused, stay on you. Tell them to pray and seek my face. And then after that, I found that he placed me back in my body. And then I looked around. I thought I was back inside of the intensive care. And he whispered in my ear, he said, son, this is serious. You will not die here. You will not die. You will make a complete recovery because you have to tell this and give this message. He said, but don't forget, son, this is serious. He kept telling me, this is very serious. Okay, you found yourself back in your body, uh, but you had a period of recovery time. Uh, tell me about when you told your wife about seeing your son who, who had died. Tell me about that. I told her, I said, you know, I call her baby because that's my baby. I said, baby, you know, when I was in intensive care and one day when I, I slipped away and I died, I saw, I saw him in paradise on the other side. And she was so excited. See, she was, she was so excited because, see, that gave her hope because, you know, moms want to know their children make it in made it in and that blessed her because that showed her that her teaching and living right before them was not in vain and that blessed her that lifted her spirits it lifted the spirit of my of my other children to know who miss their brother every day you know they miss him and to know that he's with jesus it gets blessed her and blessed them well what did the doctors think about you coming back to life and even recovering oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I had three doctors. One doctor was not a, he was, he was from over, overseas, and, and uh, he doesn't believe in Christianity at all. He's of another religion. And he told me, he said, there's no way in the world that a man can suffer from a arachnoid hemorrhage of the brain. He said, well, all your blood vessels burst, and you survive. He said, how is it that you're still alive, Mr. Kelly? How is it? What is that keeping you alive? And I say, well, of course, you know what's keeping me alive. You may not receive him or know him yet. I always say yet, because I'm going to keep ministering to him till he do get saved. But, and it's just amazing, and they shake their head, and, it's, and he's been shaking his head. He said, I know, I know I'm your neurosurgeon. I diagnosed you. I knew you were going to die, but here it is. You're alive with no paralysis. He said, I tell you what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to pay your way to India. All the expenses paid because I want the people in India to see the first man to survive an arachnoid hemorrhage of the brain in full degree. He said, well, you go to India with me. I said, sure, I'll go to India. You do your show and tell thing, and I'll do the preach thing. 
Well, that's not a bad combination to have a medical doctor verify that you're a walking miracle. Uh, but uh, actually, from a medical viewpoint, you could die at any minute. Isn't that true? Yeah, yeah. They, um, they. No offense to the doctors, but they constantly tell me. I mean, I got a letter the other day from a particular doctor, and they said, "Well, you know, you can still die." This was just last week. I, I just pray you've been listening for the last two weeks to Earthquake Kelly. If you haven't, uh, get his book, because his book has his full testimony of his visit to hell, his visit to heaven, the instructions he was given, uh, his seeing his son who was killed in a drive-by carjacking, um, his seeing, uh, understanding how witchcraft operates is he comes from many generations of voodoo priests uh, from Haiti and uh, understanding the power involved there, but then understanding how much greater power there is in the name of Jesus. And this is brought out in the book. You, uh, you have young people involved in witchcraft and Harry Potter. And let them read this book. They'll get out of it real quick. And then section three is a handbook for deliverance with the most explicit definitions of what is going on and how to how to get rid of it and the power of the name of Jesus he even uh, in other words whatever your problem is whether it's in the financial arena marital arena health arena job arena any any of these arenas he knows the names the exact names of the spirits and you can come against them in Jesus name so I urge you to get a copy of this book but uh, earthquake with all the things, so many important things that you learned. What's one of the most important things you learned from your experience? Matthew six thirty three. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. All his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. My main thing is to seek after God. I would tell a person to seek God first with your whole heart. I know what it's like to have been in that that dark realm of seeking that with all of my heart and, and the, the things that you get out of that. And, and you think they're rewarding, but they're not. But when you put your whole heart towards seeking after God, it is so rewarding. I recommend that anybody listening, anybody that was take out time, you maybe have turned on this, this broadcast trying to find something else, and you've come across this broadcast that this was speaking to you, that you would turn from whatever you're doing that's against God and seek him with all your heart. You know, before uh, you had the brain aneurysm and died and went to heaven, uh, you were really in a rebellious state. Why were you? Well, I was preaching deliverance, and people were getting delivered all over the country. I mean, God was really blessing, and then sees, uh, a certain group of, of, of famous ministers, so-called, I call them, famous ministers came against me, and they told me to stop preaching deliverance because it's outdated, it's not necessary that God doesn't need deliverance anymore. And I told him, I said, well, St. Luke 4.18 talks about what Jesus came to do, to set the captives free, to preach deliverance to the captives and so on. And that God has anointed me to do this, to preach the gospel to the poor, which I was doing and taking them in and the brokenhearted, and to preach deliverance to the captives and recover his sight to the blind and liberty to them that are bruised. And I ran it down to him, and they came against me so hard, Sid, and they told me it's unnecessary, stop doing it. And I would have uh, services all over the place, and they would send people into the audience to try to, to try to stop the service. They were just so cruel and mean. And I went to God in prayer. I said, God, um, would you please stop these ministers from, from attacking me for no reason? I haven't done anything to them. 
And I kept going to God, and, and it seemed like the more I prayed, the worse it got. And so I told God, I said, if you like, you know, I'm a professional boxer. I can beat these guys down to the ground myself if you let me. Of course, God didn't see my, my humor in that. <laughs> <laughs> I said, it won't take but a couple of punches, you know. But instead, I said, you know what I'm doing? I got mad at God. I got mad at him, and I said, I'm moving my family away from California. I'm getting away from Hollywood everything, and I'm moving my family to Woodstock, New York. I went to Woodstock, New York, the only African-American family in this particular whole area, trying to hide from God because I was mad because God didn't back me up when I thought I, I said I was faithful. When we first got there, I decided not to have a, my telephone number listed nor my address. I didn't want any forwarding mail or anything. I got a telephone. No, first I went in the mailbox, and there's a letter in the mail. I opened it up. I said, Who, who's found me? And nobody can find me up here. And the letter says, Earthquake, you are in rebellion. Repent now. Go back to do what God told you to do. I was in shock. I said, how did somebody even know? And no return address or nothing. So I was mad. I was so angry. I took the, I took the booklet. I ripped it up. And my wife looked at it. She said, what are you doing? Those are scriptures in there. I didn't care. I threw it up in the air. And while I was throwing it up in the air, <laughs> I got a telephone call. And I, and I picked up the phone, said, and I said, hello. And it was, it was one of my godmothers. And she said, son, God told me to tell you, you're in rebellion. You need to repent. I said, mom, how did you get this number? She said, don't worry about how I got the number. You get on your knees right now and repent because God's called you to preach deliverance, and you told him no. To somebody else beeped in from Seattle. This was from Long Beach, from Seattle. Earthquake, God told me to tell you you're out of order. Repent. You need to repent. And while they hung up, somebody else called from Birmingham. He called me Quake. He said, Quake, God told me to tell you you're out of order. You need to repent. When he hung up, somebody called from Tucson, Arizona, one of my brothers who went to be with the Lord last, last January. He called me, and he called me Big Bishop because he's older than me, but I'm bigger than him. So he called me Big Bishop. He said, Big Bishop, God told me to tell you you're out of order, brother. Baby brother, you're out of order. you got to repent. Somebody else called me. Seven people from around the country called me on an unlisted telephone number, Said, <laughs> And I wonder to this day, I wonder how they all got the number. <laughs> and so I started repenting. I got even madder at God. I said, God, how do you tell these people? Why did you give these people my number? I'm, I'm, I'm set with you. I don't want to preach no more. And you let these ministers do that to me. And the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, says, Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. I was so mad you could fry egg on my head. I went to sleep in that anger. I tried to sleep. My wife was just, just asleep as calm, and I couldn't sleep. And I heard something break in the back window and the, down in the hall from the house. I said, oh, my God, I'm in New York, and somebody's breaking in. I closed my eyes. I, I tried to find a pistol, realizing I don't have pistols anymore because I'm saved. So I tried to find a lamp to hit the biggest one. And I know I'm out of order. I know I'm rebellion now against God. And so I opened my eyes. I look, and the person that, it was seven men standing around my bed, seven, I counted them, and I act like I was asleep, and he shook the bed, he said, open your eyes, you're not asleep, open your eyes. So I said, well, the gig is up. He said, God gave you many chances to obey him. He brought you out of voodoo, you're an abortion survivor, you had cancer twice, he healed your heart failure, nitroglycerin under your tongue, you bent through all of these things, shot, a gun to your head, the gun didn't go off, you have been spared. And you let a handful of so-called ministers stop you from preaching and doing what God told you to do. He said, you repent right now for your rebellion. God has given you many warnings. 
And he said, if you don't do it, the next time I'm sending a deaf angel. I saw all of their feet go up to the ceiling. And he said, if you don't obey me this time. You're saying the seven people that broke into your house that are surrounding you, you saw them go up in the air? I saw them. Actually, they didn't break in. It didn't sound like they was breaking in. There wasn't, it wasn't no people. It was the God and his police force after me because of my rebellion. And they, they stood at the end of the bed and told me everything that happened that day. You got those telephone calls. You were warned. You've been through this. And God has sent us to warn you this is your last warning. And if you don't obey him and go back and preach in deliverance, next time I'm sending a deaf angel. And God told me to go back to California, back into Hollywood and preach. And I told my wife, I said, baby, I woke up. I mean, I got up out of the bed. I turned on every light. She said, what's the matter? What's happening? What's going on? I said, baby, you ain't going to believe this. And she said, I told you not to rip that little Bible up. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, I warned you ripping those scriptures up. She said, good, because I never wanted to come here in the first place. I want to go back home to California. And we, and we went back. And, and of course, uh, if you've been listening for the last two weeks, when I introduce Earthquake, I say, this is Earthquake uh, Kelly, my guest. I'm speaking to him by telephone at his home in Hollywood, California. Now, Earthquake, there's someone listening to us right now, and they're in rebellion. What would you say to them? I would tell them, please, as an example, that I've been down that road, Please go to God in sincerity, of not from only your head, but from your heart. Ask God to forgive you. Turn from your wicked way. Turn from that rebellion. Because rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. Witchcraft is an evil, horrible, lonely, miserable thing. God will use you. Let go of that thing you're holding on to. Turn to God with your whole heart. Is hell real? Yes, it is. And it's long. How long? Forever. Eternity. There's no doors. There's no exit. And I preached a message out of Ferner about two weeks ago. And guess what happened? There was a fire extinguisher there, Sid. And I put up the fire extinguisher. I was telling this part of this testimony. I said, and this thing won't help you. The fire extinguisher won't help you there. It's, I'm reminded of the vision that you had uh, of people, a family suffering in hell. It, it, it's, it's not. You cease to exist. It's pain and suffering. You saw that on their faces. Saw the flames, and I saw the misery. Uh, as you said, God told you to write a book of your all of your experiences, and uh, and the title is very appropriate. It's Bound to Lose, Destined to Win, and if anyone has any fear of the devil, they won't after they read this book. I mean, you you make it clear of how victorious we are over him. It, it's available for a donation of eighteen dollars.